Are you okay? Uh, just about, yeah. Uh, what? What's that echo? Oh, uh, well, it's so hot I've actually just melted and now I'm in this bucket. Oh, I did wonder what that was. Yeah, uh, because, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very warm. Are jo- you okay? You seem oh, to have got, the hiccups real bad. I've got the hiccups. Do you want me to pop you in the fridge or something? Oh, I'd love that. Actually, can I go in the freezer for a bit just so I re-solidify? Okay, but like, not, not, not for too long. Strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnet Dale. And I'm not Jane Ayres Magnet Dale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. I've got the hiccups, so boo. apologies if that's a thing at the start. You, you, you said boo and it scared a hiccup out of me. Oh no, that's not yeah, supposed to work. So apologies about that in advance. I got the hiccups today, but this is a show where two queer trans ladies do a. Just have a catch up about what we've been doing in our week, talk about the media there, there we've consumed. Is. Do silly voices and skits. Sorry. There's the catch-up this week. I said, yeah, I said catch-up and Jane got the catch-up. We're we're in the living room today because it's too hot to be in the office. It's too hot to be anywhere. It is. It's too hot to be. It is too hot to be. We're in the UK where it is not designed to be warm and the humidity is a lot. It is a lot. So if if there is any audible fan... Um, you're just going to have to live with it. Oh no, I checked it out before we started recording. I did yeah. a test. I can get, as far as I can tell, all of the, the fan hum out. So. It's 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 a lot today. It's a very melty day. According to my records, <laughs> it is currently 29.5 degrees in the living room. And that's at like 8 in the evening. This is, the sun has gone down, it's cooling. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. What have you played this week? Played, played, played. played. I've, well, I've played a whole bunch more of the Skywalker, <laughs> Skywalker Saga, uh, Lego Star Wars. You continuing to enjoy it? Eh. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. There's too much game. You've gotten past the point where you're not enjoying it because of design decisions, and now I enjoy what this is, but there's a lot of it. There's a lot. There's, there's so much of it, and at this point it is starting to get really repetitive. Um. So, like, I, I, I'm doing like a chunk of one thing and then going off and doing something else. Mm. Like, um, I've done several where it's just like, I'm going to go and do some levels, some actual levels. I'm going to, I know I can get true Jedi because I've got all the multiplier things now. So, um, you know, I'm quite late game. I've got, I think, over 800 of the Kyber cubes out of 1200. Okay. So, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm, you know, I'm being successful in my in my quest for this, but I there's just so much re- repetition and constantly finding weird little bugs. Like it constantly wants to tell me that hey, there's uh, there's new characters that you can try. Yeah, I know. I've scrolled through them all just to get the little flashy lights off them, and you still keep going. Hey, we've pulled the lights back on them because you haven't <laughs> used these characters yet. And then, like, when you want to buy a character from a list, they'll they'll show up in, in Shadow. If you buy them, and you know that there's, like, a whole bunch of other characters in that class that you yeah. want to buy, if you purchase one and then click Next, it will take you back to the beginning of the ones you've purchased. Right. And then it will take you in a random order through the remaining characters, and you may or may not eventually get to 
the, any of the other characters that you want to buy. And if you do buy one of those characters, by happenstance of having got there, the next time you press next again, it will take you back to the beginning of the list. That doesn't sound ideal. It's a pain in the fucking ass. Oh, and, like, I spent, like, a good ten hours playing as IG- IG-88. Yeah. And then I went into the, the shop to buy a bunch of the characters because I had, like, a ton of extra studs. Mm. And the game was like, oh, no, you're going to have to buy IG-88. But I'd been playing with him for ten hours. I bought him some time ago. Like, it's, the issue is not the money. It's the fact that this game is jank as fuck. Sometimes <sighs> I'll pick up, uh, like, a, a, an insertable power cell. I'll pick it up and my character won't be holding it. But yeah. if I go to where the power cell needs to be inserted, I will get the insert prompt and it will do the action, but it won't put anything in because I'm not holding it. Yeah. So this... I'll have to pull out my gun and then hope that it reappears in my hand after the gun animation is finished. And, and this is a game that had like a year of delays. It is a shame that it's still in this state. Yeah. Yeah. And like most Lego Star Wars games, I don't think they're going to do anything else with it. Yeah. I think they're like, well, we've got your fucking money now. We've sold a bunch of DLC. Uh, like There were like 10 DLCs for this, like, as it came out. That doesn't surprise me somehow. Um, yeah, it's... The, like, I'm getting more annoyed with the, some of the jank. Like, sometimes... Um, okay, I was doing a mission the other day. You have to get 15 of these things, which means follow this big animal around. It will occasionally dig some up. And, uh, and and you have to go and collect these things. It's like, cool, I'll follow the animal, I'll collect the things, I'll fend it off the, the bats that keep trying to attack it. Yeah. And then you're supposed to get to the end, and the guy says, hey, there's one more thing that we haven't got. Yeah. And then the thing coughs it up straight into your inventory, and you then immediately go and hand it over. Cool. The animation, or the, the <laughs> cinematic play where it baffed it up, and I was, you know, standing right there, and I did not get an addition. It wasn't lying on the floor anywhere. It wasn't anywhere around. I had to leave the planet and then go back to the planet. Oh, no. As soon as I landed, it played the video of the thing coughing up the thing again. And immediately there it was in my inventory. I'm glad it did that, at least. Yeah, which is weird. Because as you're leaving the planet, it's like, oh, you're about to leave and, and you've got unfinished stuff. You're going to lose <laughs> some of your progress. Yeah. Uh, am I? Am I going to have to do the whole thing again? No, no. It had saved it all the way up to, to that thing. It just needed a second. Yeah. Occasionally I'll pick up like a security key uh, and you th- you're supposed to go and insert in the thing. Slightly different to the power cells. Yeah. But basically the same principle. And either it won't appear at all or it will be sort of dangling off my butt like a keychain or mm. I'll be holding it, which I think is what it's supposed to be, or I'll be sort of surfing it along the floor. And if I'm surfing along the floor, I won't be able to insert it until I've pulled out my gun. I have the animation for me putting my gun away again, and then it will seemingly just appear in my hand. That's a little jank. It's a little bit jank, and and I'm obviously encountering more of that now. Yeah. Uh, But, like, I might be one of the few people experiencing this, because, like, I've done things like I fully leveled up, a few of the character classes now, which has got me um, some of the achievements. 
Mm. And I'm popping achievements where it's like, you are in the top 1.9% of people playing this game who have done this thing. It's like, wow, really? I mean, you, There's you, just too much game. I mean, you'd be surprised how many video games that's the case for. Like, uh, if it's either difficulty or length are the two things that you will see massive drop-offs on mm. people who get past even, like, a, a chunk of what's in some video games. Yeah. Like, you'll see it with, like, the second boss in a FromSoft mm. game. Where it'll be like, oh, I got past boss number two. I'm in the top one percent of people who play this. I mean, to be fair, from soft games are hard as balls. Indeed, but like again, like you, you'd be surprised how many people are like this with games for various reasons. Mm. Like, don't complete them. There's a lot of the achievements for the old Assassin's Creeds used to be very telling for how many people will buy a, a game and trail off long before they complete everything. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I can understand like. Not not completing everything, but some some of these things like feel fairly basic. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if it's just the way I played the game or or what, but like things like just a single class having it fully leveled up, and and that was like a I think that was sing there was definitely single digits. It may not have been five percent. Uh, may not have been two percent. Yeah. But I feel like Lego games a lot of the time are people's. I'll pick it up and play a few hours and then not play it for ages and then come back when I want to. Like, it feels like a thing that, like, a lot of people probably don't completionist oh. play. And kids who are like, you can play it after yeah. your homework. Oh, Exactly. Like, completionism is a rarer way of playing than I think a lot of people who do it feel. feel oh, like. I, I, I don't know. Like, Lego, I think Lego games are one of the few things I complete. Yeah, and even then, like this isn't. I I would understand anyone not completing yeah. this. Uh, like I I I didn't. I I felt like it was perfectly normal getting through the nine base chapters of the game, and seeing like oh I've popped an achievement for for having done that, and I think that achievement was like fifty four percent of people yeah. have done it, and I was like yeah I can I can see that because I would have trailed off. Pretty early, yeah. But um, obviously, the drop off from there to other stuff is like, wow, that's, that feels weird. But maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, it's fine. It fills time when it's, I'm supposed to be doing other things. It's it's a thing that makes the dopamine happen because the numbers go up and the, go the up. ticking the, the the ticking the boxes and going. I'm achieving a thing. I'm achieving a thing. I have solved many puzzles. Yay! I have got most of the characters, if not most of the costumes for those characters. Because there's like eight costumes for Padme. Yeah. And there's, I think there's like six costumes for Finn. Mm. And then multiple classes. You might have Finn the Dark Side and Finn the Rebel. But yeah, what about you? What have you played? Well... Uh, speaking of games with large amounts of content where you sometimes have to do the same thing multiple times in a row to unlock bits of content, but more polished than the Lego one, <laughs> um, I have been getting quite a, quite heavily back into Monster Hunter. Ah, uh, yeah. Specifically Monster Hunter Rise. Um, so when that game originally came out, I got pretty heavily into playing it. Um, when it came out on the Switch at first, I did a lot of streaming it and playing with people on stream. And I put maybe 70 hours in, and I I was closer than I thought to the end of the base game, and then just never got back to it. Um, 
I think the thing that slowed me down is when I was originally playing it, I was trying to be a proper completionist right from the start, where every time I encountered a new monster, I wanted to unlock its full set of armor uh, before moving on to the next uh, next encounter. And 70 hours in, I was like five ranks up the um, the single player encounters, and I hadn't done a huge amount of the online multiplayer quests, and... Uh, recently there's been a big DLC called Sunbreak that came out, which, um, like Iceborne was for Monster Hunter World, is basically an entire other game's worth of content added on top that's, like, difficult post-game content designed to be played after you finish the base game. Uh, just, hello, would you like another Monster Hunter? But, like, it, where the last one ended is where this one will start on difficulty. Oh, wow. Um... And I went, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to pick the, the big DLC up, because I never stick with Monster Hunters long enough to actually, you know, do that. Mm-hmm. So I picked up the base game and was like, yeah, let's, let's play some more, let's play some more. And within a couple of days I completed the base game. Oh, wow. And, like, I was surprised at how quickly I fell back into playing and how little recap of what I was doing I needed. Like, I didn't feel like I'd... I hadn't played this in, like, six months. And I came back to it and it the muscle memory came back pretty quick. Um, but yeah, I completed the base game, um, started doing the co-op like post-game challenges, where it's a lot of, hey, raise your, your rank further and further by fighting all these very difficult bosses that are designed to be fought uh, as a group. So mm-hmm. I've done a lot of just hopping into random matchmaking and being like, hello, strangers I don't know, let's fight a monster together. Together. Uh, and then I picked up the DLC... And now I'm several ranks deep into the DLC. Um, I continue to really enjoy this game. Um, I think from a technical perspective, it is still one of the most impressive games on Switch in terms of like feeling like a modern, no compromises uh, console title on Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, I have really enjoyed a lot of the new monster design encounters they've they've included in this. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first uh, monsters you fight in the DLC is a giant hermit crab, and its sc- uh, the the shell it's wearing on its back is a giant triceratops skull, which okay. is just a, it's just a big crab in a triceratops skull on its back, and I'm like, that's that's just cool design right there. And did you attack its weak point, the massive? Damage? I did attack the uh, giant enemy crab's massive uh, giant weak point for massive damage. Yay. Um, I have been. Ma- building a bunch of new armor and uh, finally like getting back into some of the, the, the crafting elements on that. I have not at all done any of the side quests where NPCs keep shouting at me to come and talk to them so they can give me side quests. I'm just like, no, I want to keep jumping into into games of co-op and progressing the story and going, co-op companions, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um I really like Monster Hunter. Yay! This this is the first one that's really stuck for me. And, like, I, I thought... <sighs> Monster Hunter World, I mechanically enjoyed, but it never stuck with me this way. And I think a big part of it is just being able to play handheld. Mm-hmm. Being able to play Monster Hunter on a handheld so I can just get in a quick fight while watching something else or doing something else. And it doesn't have to be the, I'm sitting down in front of the screen and this is all I'm focusing on. Yeah has allowed me to get into this in a way where I'm like, yeah, I am playing this enough that I want to play online multiplayer. Mm. And 
yeah, it's very rare an online multiplayer experience gets me, but I've been really into just random matchmaking fighting monsters. Yay! Uh, what about you? What have you played this week? Uh, not a lot else. We played some board games, though. We dove, dove back into the uh, Mechs vs. Minions campaign, which we, we've we did. not played for a, a while. It, it took us... it's, it's a very big yeah. box. And it tends to sit at the bottom of our pile of, of games because it's, it's big and it's heavy. It's a stable base for a stack of games, but that does make it an inconvenient game to get out the stack. Yeah, but like, committed to the bit. Yeah, so we, we've talked about this before. This is a programming game. Yeah. Um, so your beautiful your... miniatures. Lovely yeah. wash on them, very four, nicely crafted. Four types of, of minions. They, they all are functionally the same, but they've been given a lovely yeah. little wash. And the fact that they all fit in the uh, oh in in the in the yes. game tray. And any of the four minion types will fit into any gap that is designed for minion pieces. And despite them all having different shapes, the one gap will work for any of them, and it's great. Oh yeah, it makes tidy up so much. The easier. attention to detail on that the the box and how you put things the way yeah. the box is the gorgeous game is, on it. The, the 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 box the story solution is beautifully designed. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make it feel too stressful to put away or get yeah. out. Yeah, which because... for a game of that scope can be a lot sometimes. Yeah, um, and it's it's one of the few like exclusively miniatures games mm. games we own, which is weird because we're going to talk about another miniatures game. Yes, it? Uh, but it's a programming one. You independently like build your row where you have to do things left to right and yep. things happen. So it might be like move forward, turn ninety degrees, fire. Two yeah. spaces in and front of it's you. not optional, so you have to try and build an engine that isn't going to fuck you over yep. or course correct. And if you take damage, the only thing that does is it fucks up your uh, your 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 programming, end, your, your programming line, so that you have to then course correct. So it could block a thing entirely. Yeah. It could be like it could change your very useful walk forward six paces into mm. one step to the left. Indeed. Um, or it could be swap one and six. Two and five, yeah. three and four. I, 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 we probably talked about this when we originally talked about this game on the show. I appreciate that whenever you're at the start of a new round drafting new things to put in your programming line, mm-hmm. uh, there is always at the bottom of the card the option to, rather than add something new to your programming row, either remove a bad thing that was for- forcibly put on your programming row, or swap around the positions of some of your programming row items. And that those are always available if you don't actually need any of the stuff in the draft. Oh, yeah. And that is so... It, it means that so few drafts feel like you've not had anything useful. Yeah. Especially late game where maybe you've taken some damage, maybe some yeah. things have got swapped around on you. Um, maybe you've got like just something yeah. blocking something you really need. And yeah. then because you know, you're know draw, draw, drawing five cards out and they're... You, and drafting four of them, yeah, between two players or you know one yeah. each between four. Uh, just just the way that sort of levels out later on, it's really convenient because usually by that point you've managed to get like yes. level threes on at least a couple of things. Yeah, um, because the more of the same suit that you put down in a section will power up uh, yeah. what uh, what effect you're getting there. Yeah. So you start reaching a point of I don't need to level up this thing in my programming row. What I need instead is to make sure that it doesn't get blocked from being used or moved to a position where it's no longer helpful in terms of when I'm forced to use it. I need to be able to move forward after I have turned at the beginning of every turn and then I need to be able to attack after that. 
Yes. Um, yeah, you can, it, and you can sort of mitigate some yeah. of that. There are a few things that do occasionally feel bullshit, and that is just <laughs> luck of the draw. Yeah. But we have, like, we, we would usually accept one loss. Yeah. Uh, that is, like, a true loss, and yes. we really work towards it. But usually by the, by the time we're in hour two, and we're working through, like, playing the same campaign again, if something is just mathematically bullshit, random card draw... Yeah. Then we might go, you know what, we'll take I mean, an extra card and we'll draw one from that. Ba- back in back in the day, the last time we had this problem, it was the same thing. And it's specifically the design of how boss encounters work in yes. this game. So the short version is, boss. Uh, when you have a boss encounter, they also have a programming row. They only have four um, rows. Yep. And you, as players, have to draft and choose which like bad, dangerous things to put to add on there. And you, you can take them back off by damaging the boss. But uh, basically... If any one of their four coloured stacks uh, gets three three cards placed in it, that is, game over. that is game over. And that's fine. And you get this sense of like, okay, well, uh, all of the colours are just on uh, level one and three is where we die. So like, oh, we can draft two cards and like, we'll have choices because we'll only knock something up to level two. Oh, we, draw, we drew two of the same colour. It just knocked us from one to three and we, we died out of nowhere, which can what? feel a bit cheap. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're only putting one card on it. Yeah, like the the fact that you can go, we've drawn nothing but greens. Yes, just yes. because like that's the joy of a shuffle. Yeah, when there's only four suits in that deck, and it's yeah. not a huge deck. Yeah, there it, is a possibility yeah. that you might just keep drawing the same colors. All, all you need is two turns in a row where it's like both of my options are green. Okay, I've got to put another green down. Okay, both of them are green again. I guess we lose. Well, the other thing is that you've got to deal with the shields, which. Um, meaning you've got to step on certain blocks on the on the yeah. tire, on the dungeon itself, uh, which you've got to hope that you manage to program your way through correctly, assuming you haven't taken any damage. So the shields have got to be down. Then you've got to like attack them, and that will, in this case, in the uh, take one card off. Yeah, but you've got to hope that it's you know you're you're getting all of that thing working together and still working towards the actual goal for the end of the. Yeah, the the boss the boss definitely feels like the most often place where it's like, oh, I just drew duplicates of one color by random chance, and now I lost and yeah. had no say over it. And and you we like we had one game where we drawn like two of two colors, and there was nothing else in either of the other slots. Yeah. And it was like, well, if we draw one of those two colors now, so there's still like yeah. a fifty percent chance, pretty much, of drawing that out. We're fucked. Yeah, and there's nothing we can do, and it is just the random. This is the problem I usually have with card games, anyway. Yeah, like a a bad shuffle can just really I, fuck you over. I I think it's specifically the fact that like a bad shuffle can put you in an auto lose condition. Here, yes, as opposed to a bad shuffle happened and a negative that you can come back from occurred. Um, I mean, it depends how well you do, but like yeah. I found that with a lot of card games, Magic, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, That's Clank fair. to some degree. <laughs> uh, but yeah, should we talk about the other board games while we're in board game section? While we're in board gamesville, we played the Hogs of War miniatures game, which has um, just been delivered. Uh, it was one of the last games I kickstarted before the NFT nonsense. Yeah, which I think um, they did eventually back down from. I think I believe uh, so, but only because like the union action happened. I, I mean, however they got there, I'm glad they got there. Oh yeah, super glad they got there. Um, 
Yeah, so this is based on the 90s, possibly early 2000s PlayStation 1 game that was trying to be What If Worms but 3D and instead of worms, it's pigs. And mm. it was uh, voiced almost entirely by Rick Mayo, mm. uh, which I think is why it is largely beloved by a lot of people uh, of a certain age. Um, and it is a it's a proper war game, basically, and it's yeah. it's a genre of board game that we have. I guess we have one example of we have uh, War of the Ring. Yeah, yeah, I, I Lord guess. Lord of the Rings War of the Ring is a... It took us six hours to learn our first <laughs> game. Then we played our first game. And it took, like, another four three, hours. Three, three four, four hours, hours. Yeah. Like, and we've nev- never... We've played several times since, but we haven't had a game that's gone less than, like, three or four hours. Yeah. Whereas this... a big game. This, this is a considerably shorter war game. Yeah, this took us four hours to learn, because there yes. currently are no videos at all. Yes. Uh, part of the problem with that is that um, a lot of creators were sent uh, versions of the game for the Kickstarter to help promote it. Yeah. And then after the Kickstarter, they got a load of feedback from people who had playtested a bunch, and they changed a bunch of the features. So a lot of the tutorial videos that were made a year plus yeah. ago are now completely invalid. So... Like and and there's a thing on the on the front of the manual and it's like, hey, scan this and and you can watch uh, you can you can watch how to play. That video is not going to be up until the fifteenth of July. Yeah, uh, which is, I mean, I guess by the time this episode comes yeah. out, that will have already and, happened. And here's but... here's the thing: it's not that complicated of a game, but there are a lot of mechanics to learn if you're learning from the rule book. There's a lot of a lot of simultaneous things to hold in your head. Yeah, there's like. So there's the fact that you've got six different types of troops. Yes. The fact that you have to build a base yes. with like tetromino pieces, <laughs> or, or at least polymino pieces. Uh, you have uh, you have a big hex board that's separate, yeah. which is your position on the actual campaign map. You've got all of the uh, terrain and stuff that is laid out on there, and then the different bonuses that you get for being in terrain, like like cover bonuses. Yeah. Then you have deployable things that go on the map. Yeah. You have uh, the the buildings in your base that will unlock different um, yeah. special uh, units, be they extra infantry or actual like ground units, like yeah. tanks and stuff. Uh, you've got just so much going on. I, I, I think the simple way to explain it like is... Because once you're playing, all of the iconography makes it really simple. And then oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, you've got your unit types, and on the card it'll go, this is how many actions a turn they get, this is what their health is, all of their attacks are like, oh, you attacked with this, and you were this far away, roll these dice and see what yeah. happens. Um, and like, yeah, when you start stacking, okay, I've got these troops, uh, their turns happen in this initiative order, but also I've got a plane and a blimp, and they have like, programming orders that I do behind a screen of, like, how, where are they going to move and how are they going to turn. Yeah, because, and... especially especially with the planes. Yes. You've got you've got to set how fast they're going. Yes. And you can only go one up or one down. Yes. On that. And you've then got the fact that you can't go directly from left to right steering. Yes. Uh, so you have to sort of go back to the middle. Yeah. So you've got to calculate how fast you're going. Yes. Where you're going to end up at the end of this Yes. Turn. And trying to get like, okay, how do I keep my speed as such so I get as much turning as possible 
but also I have to make a move before I can start the turn, so I can't instantly pivot on the spot at the start of my action. I have to go forward and then start turning. Yeah. And it's... Any of these as an individual mechanic would is very simple. Yeah. But it's... I mean, as you've said, like, the planes could easily yeah. just be a game on their own. Yeah, yeah. Like, the... There's a lot of elements of this that are like, this feels like it's a game of its own, but you're putting several games together. And once you've played, like, you've played, it's actually pretty simple. But, yeah... Yeah, uh, like it, we, because so uh, we had like four hours of learning. Then we played a game, and that was like two hours, maybe. I think, I think so. And then we immediately dived in and played the same campaign again, which meant we didn't have to reset the map. Yeah, um, and that can be a little bit fiddly to sort out. But like, you have a campaign book that tells you where everything goes, yeah. and that's fairly easy to set up. But like, our base stuff really didn't need much changing. No. And replaying that first campaign really just helped to solidify the rules in our mind, I think. It yes. was it, it it was just making sure we knew how to do what we were doing. Yes, and we certainly know how to do infantry stuff now. Yes. We now know how to do a uh, rush to capture the flag. Yeah. Uh, but, like, looking through the campaign manual, some of the other missions we're going to do are very different. Yes. Like, there's ones that are defender base. Uh, like there's one person that's specifically just trying to get people to a particular point on the other side of the battlefield. You've got ones where everybody's trying to like swap sides of the battlefield, and that you'll get points for every person you get out the other side. You've got ones that are specifically about airships, uh, ones that are specifically about planes, and yeah, it, I am fascinated to see what other game types are like because we played that first mission twice and it was very much a go 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 get yeah. to the middle get the thing as fast as possible uh, and hold that point yeah because and then after four turns basically if you manage to do that game over yeah like as soon as somebody gets to the point you at uh, the center point you've basically got three or four turns and the game is over yes uh the the the, the first tutorial mission definitely doesn't reward you taking the time required to slowly start having planes and blimps and things like that, because those are big time investments, and that yeah. first mission is just, get used to running and fighting. Yeah, and that that feels like a, a good way of getting un, an understanding for movement and yeah. positioning and stuff. And pacing, I think. Or, yeah. or like, how, how fast you theoretically can move if you're running for something. Yeah, and, and how quickly the game can be over. Yeah. Um, like, so that the the cards are nice. Yeah. Once once you get the hang of it, the like I felt like we caught all of the rules and that the yeah. everything made sense. It just took us a long time to read it and and get through it because there's a yeah. lot of it and it's, clarifying it's a, questions. But once we got the yeah. first game out, like I think I could very easily play yeah. that again and probably teach it. It it was daunting when we didn't have a reference human to ask clarifying questions yes. to, but once we got the rules down, it is a Pretty fast-paced, pretty simple war game, and I think it, it really, I think it really is good because, like, I'm interested in the strategy of war games, but I don't want to play World War Two. Like Memoir Forty Four, I think is the big one that a lot of board gamers talk about as being the war game that everyone yeah. is really into. There's obviously there's things like Warhammer. There's the um, 
Star Wars Alliance, I think it's called, like Rebel yeah, Alliance yeah. game, which is like here is a like here is the turning circle that the Tie Fighter is taking. Place that that little um, specific curved ruler on the table. Okay, now move the thing from one end of that to the other. That's how far they've moved. Now do a thing at the at the far end of it. That's how far they can shoot. That's their cone of of shootiness. Um, yeah. And is is were were the uh, rebels in the way in, at any point along that? Mm. Like it's very complicated and lots to think about. And there are people that really want to get into that nitty gritty. And then there are people like me with ADHD who are like, I'd like to do some sort of strategizing and some positioning and tactic stuff, but I don't have the patience to spend six hours over a beautifully painted diorama with thousands of hand-painted miniatures. Yeah. I don't know if I would ever paint the Hogs of War, but I suppose you could, theoretically. Yeah. Um, what about you? What have you, what have you been uh, up to? I'll, I'll quickly go through a couple. I've been playing some, some video gamey things. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been playing through the beginning of The Quarry, which the Quarry. is the, the new game from uh, Supermassive. Uh, the Until Dawn um, Dark Pictures Anthology people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is its back to being a bit more like Until Dawn in terms of length. It's more of a 10 hour experience than the sort of 5 hour Dark Pictures ones. Yeah. Um, it is about a a summer camp that maybe is on a site where there is werewolves, and the people who run this summer camp keep having it start and finish precariously close to full moons, and that feels... You should have, like, a couple of days grace either side of the full moon if you know that there are werewolves and you're going to invite people to be there. Uh, they keep being like, oh, we'll start the day after the full moon and start the d- uh, end the day before the full moon. And if I mean, anyone, a month, if anyone so arrives... Gonna... Yeah, but if anyone arrives a day early or gets stuck there a day late, oops, werewolves. Um, and it's definitely werewolves, because, like, I, I, I've obviously watched the... the... Uh, the stream I was doing the other day. Yeah, I watched... Yeah. Uh, oh. No, I meant I watched oh, the, uh, footage the, f- the footage from editing AA. So... Um, and I watched some of the stream. I watched till about midnight, yeah. and then I went to So, I've not finished the game yet, but, like, it seems like there's a few things happening. There is definitely some kind of werewolf thing happening. Okay. Tied to the full moon. There is also maybe some people who are there because they they're, they're there to be, like, hunting the dangerous game um the most dangerous the most dangerous game turns out it wasn't humans werewolves are a more dangerous game um yeah there's just like this older man with a sniper rifle smearing his face in blood like stalking around the the summer camp so that's a thing um there is there's there the thing that i find interesting about this one is that like it seems like this werewolf or monster thing going on is like well known by a lot of people. Like, the man who runs the camp seems to know about it, the police seem to know about it, uh, the these hunting people seem to know about it. Um, it seems to be some kind of open secret, that's kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like the character dynamics of a lot of the uh, the cast of characters. Whether I like them or not, they're a more memorable and distinct group of characters than the last couple of um, Supermassive games I've had, I think. Yeah. Um, 
In particular, the one that was set in the Iraq War that I don't remember what it was called. It was the one after Little How Hope. racist do you want to be? How left, ra- left or right? How, how racist do you want to be we're in 2003 Iraq, you're a soldier game? Uh, th- this has like some genuinely laugh out loud late teens horror movie trope characters. Um, you've got like horror. I hate horror. Yes. You've got uh, confident, sassy gay man who's clearly like I'm being confident because I, there's no other gay people around me and I have to exude confidence. You've got autistic and loves uh, paranormal podcasts. Uh, you've got YouTuber with a, maybe a heart of gold, but also she really doesn't like her ex. Um, my, one of my favorite things about the early plot of this is the entire reason this fucking narrative happens is because one meathead jockman wants 24 hours extra to try and make his summer camp girlfriend be okay with long distance. So he steals a part out of a car. So, oh no, we're trapped here another night. And now this whole... You're in a horror... You, you, you've trapped them all in a horror thing because you, you, you wanted 24 hours more to make your boner work. Ugh. Ugh. I, I'm very much enjoying it so far. Um, yeah. it, it's, pre- it's pretty fun. The tutorial videos for teaching you how new mechanics work have a voiceover that is like the old uh, Twilight Zone uh, show, but over Picture like... Picture the sea. Yeah. You're standing by a fire and there's a QTE to be done. It's exactly. I, I, I think those are pretty charming. Um, yeah, I've been enjoying that quite a lot. Um, the other thing I've been playing is I've started playing around with the uh, Oculus Quest 2, which... I finally picked up now that there is a confirmation of not needing to connect Facebook to it. And have, no, Facebook. Have... Please look into your Meta account. I mean, look, the distinction is small, but it's there. It exists. It's fine. It's it's enough that I will let myself try the, the new VR thing. Um, I know. Uh, so I'm kind of impressed at how well it does hand tracking. Like, there's improved hand tracking support, uh, which I've been playing around with a bit. Uh, Oculus Quest we've talked about before, it's the VR headset that doesn't need to be plugged into a like computer or anything, it's all in the headset. Uh you you this is getting pretty close to the minority report future of I'm gonna use my fingers to type on a virtual keyboard that wow. isn't real. Uh I'm just gonna move and like do little clicking motions to click on virtual keys. Um I am curious to try out. I have review code for a game that is uh air guitar. That is a Guitar Hero style game that uses hand tracking. Oh. And I'm fascinated by the idea. And having seen how well it was hand tracking, like, just messing around in the UI, I'm like, I mean, that seems very plausible. Uh, The main thing I've been playing is uh, Resident Resident Evil 4 VR. Uh, So this is the entire game of Resident Evil 4 in VR. Um, A couple of things of note. Um... Cutscenes are still in 2D, so whenever a cutscene happens, everything around you fades to black and there's a big screen in front of you playing the 2D cutscene. I um, assumed a bunch of those were in engine, but. Uh, I, guess they, not. They're, I guess they were in engine but pre rendered. But, like, a lot of them are third person scenes where Leon walks in and often will do, like, a jump out a window or th- things that would be motion sickness yeah. inducing, I think, is yeah, part of it. Um. So those are those are all here as a two D screen anyway. Now you're back in the action. Okay, I because I'd have um, assumed they would have just done that with three D models, but I guess not. No, it, it's a little it, it 
it's fine once it gets going, but the first couple of times it happens, it's a little jarring. Yeah. Uh, that being said, the thing that's not jarring is there's a lot of really good options for um, not getting motion sick. Okay. So rather than like only having... You, you can have it so you use the analog stick to walk around if you want. That okay. seems like it's going to be motion sickness inducing. But you can also do the teleport. You can sort of yeah. uh, push the stick forward, aim where you want to teleport Blink. and jump around. That works surprisingly well. I didn't know how well that would work for like a a full video game. Um, you can also like left and right the stick to um, you can strafe, hop backwards, or turn in forty five degree in- uh, increments with the sticks. Okay, um, yeah. So like you can be on the s- if you're sat like not on a chair that rotates, you can quickly like do a couple of quick turns, shoot a thing, turn back, shoot a thing, mm. and it works surprisingly well. Um, there's a couple of options for how to handle your infantry um, in, in the moment, which range from having all of your equipment physically on your body. So it's like, oh, I want to get my shotgun, reach over my left shoulder and grab the shotgun, uh, grab the knife that's like r- right near my tit, grab it off your chest. <laughs> oh, like, is this one of those punch yourself in the this chest? This is games? one of those uh, punch yourself in the tit if you've got tits. Yeah. Uh, they did not design this with, um, with people with tits in mind. You will punch yourself in the tit if you try and grab your knife off your tit, um, or you can just set it to a. You can also just set it to a radial uh, quick menu on one hand, so oh. just an analog stick. You point it at the thing you want. Now that thing's in your hand. That um, seems the most manageable. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of the guns and weapons have uh, laser sights on them to help with. You, I can see what where this is aiming, okay. um, which helps because you don't have like a set center screen reticle the way you would do in a yeah, third person video game, and it works really well. Um, you, you know that first scene in Resident Evil Four when you first go into that village and there's suddenly a lot of um, villagers coming for yes. you, and it's before you've really had a chance to get much ammo, and it's quite a frantic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene is a really good, like way of forcing the player in this to very quickly get used to I'm in VR and this is gonna feel like there is an overwhelming number of things around me. Yeah. Um it's chaotic, it's frantic. Getting through that scene very quickly gave me confidence of, oh yeah, I can play this whole game start to finish in VR. Okay. If I can get through that scene with that little armor, uh having to wave my hand around to stab things with a knife mm. and feel in control of that. Yeah. This feels like a really well-made VR port. Um, I played, like, over an hour of it in one go and was, like, in no way feeling motion sick, in no way feeling like, oh, I need to get get out of this. I I could easily have stayed in there longer. It's a a really nice VR port. Uh, Looks really nice, runs really well. I I am excited to play more of it. I remember trying to play through 7 in and very quickly starting to feel like between the just the surprising amount of adrenaline I was pumping yeah that's definitely a thing and the the motion sickness I was getting that oh I feel fine I feel feel fine my head feels like it is literally boiling I was the same with 7VR I've not had that with this that's nice. So if you want to play a Resident Evil in VR, I would recommend this you might have a better time with. Nice. Um, yeah, you played anything else? Ah, uh, no, that's it. Well then, time for this.
Oh, you tired of people commenting on the angle of your face? Uh-huh. Is your resting face a little on the downward? Mm-hmm. Would you be having yet more fun if strangers didn't consistently feel the need to tell you to perform your enjoyment to their standards? Uh-huh. Try Smilerflage. It's a laser-projected field that will give the impression that you have the rictus grin that randos demand, leaving you free to get on with dancing the night away. Smilerflage, because you're tired of their bullshit. Mm, I'm smiling. <laughs> Did you see this documentary by far-right McDipshit? He makes some excellent points about that minority I'm prejudiced towards. Isn't, isn't he fascist? I think that's a strong word. If you disagree with us, I did. That's one thing. No, no, it says here on his profile, uh, I am a literal fascist. It's in quote marks. It's a quote. Well, that's as maybe, but he makes some good points about how we should deal with that minority. So, so you agree with fascist talking points about the eradication of a minority? I didn't say anything about eradication. That's putting words in my mouth. His pinned tweet reads, Watch my latest documentary about the best way to eradicate that one minority, and then maybe join me while I clean up a few other undesirable groups. Well, I think you're deliberately misunderstanding and twisting his words. In a reply to that tweet, he says, Don't misunderstand me. I'm an awful fascist and I want to do a big old genocide on minorities because I see them as inferior, you know, like fascists often do, because I, right-wing fuckface McDipshit, am a fascistic fascist. Well, I'm not talking to you anymore. This is all very boring. Could you please just take two steps to the right there, please? Well, I suppose I am stepping to the right, yes. Here? Uh, about a half step more. Now? Perfect. Uh, enjoy your journey to the sun. I packed all your crappy books for the journey. Yeet! So, <gasps> what have you put in your eye? Oh, we we finished off watching a lot of things. A lot yeah. of seasons we've been watching have wrapped up. Um, yeah. We finished off um, the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds. What, 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 what do you think of that now the first season's done? I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I look forward to to more of that. Yeah. Um, they they are a fun crew. Oh, I did a Google about the finale after we watched it. Um, a thought I'd had turned out to be correct. That is based on an original si- original series episode. Yeah, that makes sense. Which it makes sense. I suspect there's going to be a lot of people for whom they were like, oh, "It's the thing" for a thing we didn't recognize in the moment. Probably. It. I. I yeah. I think I must have seen some of the original series when I was a kid, but because I remember yeah. distinctly uh, finding out that Next Gen was coming out yes. and be excitedly telling my dad, "Hey, there's new Star Trek." Yeah, I I think I probably had a similar a similar uh, relationship with it, where I know I've seen several episodes, but I've definitely not seen the whole thing in order. I don't have like a solid knowledge of like, it. I know I've seen the pilot like a couple of times. Yeah. And um, I think I might have seen a bit here and there and a few others, but couldn't tell you much about it beyond um, memes. But yeah, I, I'm i really liking the characterization. Um, there's at least one character in that finale whose fate felt a little rushed, and I hope that that's not the the, the end of us seeing them be, be involved. It's one of those things where it's, it's got the energy of halfway through the first season, someone decided they didn't want to be on the show anymore and they had to write them a quick write out of the show, okay. which I don't think is what was hap- happened, but it had that energy, right? The, oh, suddenly they've got to not be in the show. Good- goodbye. Are you talking about the thing that happens at the very end? Yeah. Um. Oh no, I don't think that's... No, I, I think it's implied that they're going to try and do something about it, but like it it had that energy of, 
Oh wait, no, with no build up suddenly. Oh, oh, yeah, I kind of did have a build up though. I mean, like, yeah. it's been foreshadowed since that became known that I mean, this might be a problem. I mean, maybe if it still it felt rushed in its execution to me, and I that's just how I feel about it. But that's uh, yeah, I generally really enjoyed this. Yeah, really it, enjoyed it. I I love the the modernization of it and and making it look like 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 a current day what if we made yeah. original series Star Trek while also keeping a lot of the hey this is what the Enterprise looked like these were some yeah. of the big features of original Enterprise I, and original technology yeah. Wait, what are you talking about it's always looked like this I, I wasn't sure going into this how I would feel about a show that was basically trying to trying to tell new stories in original series sort of timeline territory and it Feels like they've done a really good job of it. I think it helps that we it is telling the story with Pike, so free Kirk. Um, yeah, it's it's clearly like that has helped. Yeah. I think I I think it's helped that we're not doing Kirk. <laughs> Nobody should be doing Kirk. No, no, no. Um, yeah, that we're we're like, hey, we're gonna play around in that space with some recognizable characters, but not one to one original yeah. series. Uh, yeah. Uh, then we wrapped up on the boys. Yeah, finished finish season three of the boys. Um, I think season three is the strongest of the seasons. Uh, it doesn't fuck about, does it? It's <laughs> it's definitely the one where it's like, okay, let's stop dicking around. Let's fucking make some real world allegories and call some shit out. It does kind of entertain me that the uh the, the boys subreddit <laughs> was like no politics. In a show that is overtly political. Yeah, because that's the thing. Is like seasons one and two were clearly overtly political. Like, you, the, I think we can talk about season one stuff. Like, uh, the, like in the very first couple of episodes, when A Train kills Huey's uh, girlfriend, we explicitly talk about um, uh, qualified immunity. This idea yeah. of you cannot be prosecuted for things that you do while on the job as law enforcement. The inciting incident is political. And somehow it took until season three when we're going, okay, so Donald Trump analogues and, um, like, very directly referencing the Nazis. It still feels weird to me that anyone was like, no, no, it's not political. and, and, And no, that person isn't a bad person. Yeah. So, like, here's the thing. I think, I think a lot of it is that season three isn't afraid to very directly, like, start by presenting people that right-wing people would like in a way that makes, like, yeah, yeah, they, 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 they're making a sound idea in order to then pull the rug and go, no, they're the fucking mon- look at them. I mean, you know, making, that people you like to say. a sound go. idea if you happen to be a fascist. It, well, that's the thing, is they're trying to be like, yeah, fascists, nod along, eugenics. nod along, you're the mm, villains. Mm, love being a bit of eugenics. What do you mean he killed a civilian? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I I think the one in particular that really sticks in my mind is that scene with the police officer giving the, uh, the apo- uh, sorry for racism yes. uh, conversation. Because that feels very like a, he is saying talking points that real world right wing people believe today yeah. and then shown to do a horrible, horrible, unforgivable crime back to back in a way that's going to make people that like cops very fucking uncomfortable and I'm like good I that's good. you should yeah. feel uncomfortable you're fascist exactly uh, 
I had for anyone who's watched season three of the boys, I had to I had to inform Jane about the existence of the Kendall uh, the the, the Kendall the Kendall Jenna Pepsi. Pepsi ad. Yeah, I had to I had to inform you that existed. Yeah, honestly, of of the two, I feel like the Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad was more unbelievable. Right, but that happened. Right, the the <laughs> atri- atri- the the fucking energy drink one didn't linger on you <laughs> solved racism quite so much. No, you literally not. stopped the protesters, the cops. The fucking moment in the Kendall Jenner ad where the the protesters cheer as if they've won their protest. We won. What? He opened a can yeah. of drink. For, for anyone, for anyone listening who hasn't seen this, there was a Pepsi advert in which there is a protest happening, um, a nebulous protest, um, and Kendall Jenner is doing a photo shoot nearby, and she sees the protesters, and she's like, "Stop! Stop the photo shoot! I have to go join the nebulous protest." And then there's police officers, and they're sort of looking like they're going to do a pre- police brutality. Kendall Jenner hands the cops a Pepsi. And that solves the protest and ends police brutality. Yeah, so the cop just like cracks cracks the soda and, and then looks at his cop buddy and sort of smiles and nods. Like, yeah. And the protesters are like, yay! The cop drank a Pepsi! We win! Oh, it's, I love to see some capitalism. It's the most tone-deaf fucking advert ever. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. the boys... Heavy watch in some places. Yes, I I think it was a good show. I think, uh, a... I think overall I enjoyed it. It was a it was a tough watch. It, I it... am I am still not entirely sure what they were trying to do with the deep. The... Sometimes it felt like he was supposed to be sympathetic. I... Sometimes I think he just he's I think he's just the show's punching bag. I I feel like sympathetic isn't where I've landed on him. I think they want you to. I, 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 I think that, but... I think they want him to be pitiable. I think they want you to look at him and go, oh, 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 God, oh, oh, the deep. I, I feel so much. You should feel guilty and shameful, sir. I, I look down upon you in pity. I think that's like what they're aiming for. Maybe, maybe that's where I'm I'm getting the. You did shitty things. We're just gonna put you through the ringer. Yeah, he is the show's punching bag. Yeah, but like I don't feel any like pity for him. No, it's he. They treat, yeah. He's just there to be a punching bag and to just be kind of sad. Yeah, I'm but, like, I don't. It, it it feels like they don't know what they want to do with him. Yeah, I guess, and maybe that was part of swapping from the the comic books to the show. It, but... it it feels like they threw away a really strong angle with him, which was like the whole. He has he has thrown his lot in with Scientology, essentially. To get him back to where he was trying to get to in his career, and like it feels like if they'd stuck with that, they could have done some really interesting stuff with it. But that just kind of falls away. He just sort of periodically floats around, having shitty things happen to him, fucking fish, uh, and, I, and I making sit, people uncomfortable. And I sit there going, "Am am I supposed to feel bad about the things that are happening to him? Because I, I I still think he's a he, dick. He keeps, but having, I have yeah. had to watch him do something awful again. He, he, Look, at this point, it feels like if he, if he's in an episode, it's like, okay, so he's going to fuck an octopus, and the octopus will 
consent and people around him will be uncomfortable and that will be him this episode probably. Weirdly like, I found the fucking an octopus less uncomfortable than eating one. Oh the eating oh the eating was far worse. Not no and not even because I'm vegan. No but more because, because like oh from your point of view I, you are literally eating your friend. I will say the guy playing the deep fucking nailed that scene. Yeah. He 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 nailed the fucking I'm having to respond to I have to eat something that is pleading for me not to eat it. Yeah. Pleading for its life here in my hand. Yeah. He's a good actor. He's he's Oh yeah, like this, I'm not blaming the actor. He's playing this wet noodle very well. He's playing this damp damp gilt noodle. Um <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad to see Starlight becoming a bit more yeah. badass. I, I'm very interested by what they're doing with the child. Um, in in the oh, I I'm I'll be honest, I'm a little bit terrified of what they're gonna do with that kid. I mean, I because if if the boys is anything, it's a critique about America and a a. Socially maladjusted, yeah, awkward, op child. I can go uh, in yeah. some very uncomfortable watching I, places. I, I think that if you're doing a critique about violence in America and the rise of fascism and hate movements, I think having a child raised in a hateful environment with access to enact violence, um, at an age where they are not emotionally mature is probably a recipe for telling a narrative that will be very relevant to the fucking state of America right now. Yes. Uh, I think that we are all going to need to brace ourselves for whatever happens next. Yeah. I think that's going to be some dark fucking watching. I, I, think it, I think it is, but I, I think so far the show has generally proven that it can be trusted to have a good take on a lot of this stuff. Like, there was... The the point in this that like makes me feel like they know generally what they're doing is uh when Stormfront has that moment where she says something to the effect of Oh, they love the things I have to say, they just don't like the word Nazi. Yes. And like there are some moments like that where I'm like, Yeah, yeah, you are you're on the right side of what you're trying to pr- get across. It's like here. an alternative word for the right wing thing that you are. Some yeah. sort of oh right thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you watched anything else this week? Um, we watched episode five, I think, of Marvel. I, I think the penultimate episode. Oh wow! Yeah, I think um, I think we're one away from the end of Ms. Marvel. I very much enjoyed how anti-British it was at the beginning there. Oh yeah, no, what, whatever the penultimate episode of uh, Ms. Marvel is, it is very anti-colonialist. Good, good. We should all be anti-colonialist. Yeah. Um, somebody pointed out that uh, that um. The beginning is shot like an old uh, BBC World newsreel. Yes. And is obviously voiced with this very clipped British accent, but it is talking about, like, the brutal, awful things that the British did. Yeah. So it, it does feel a little bit weird that that voice is telling that story in such a anti-British way. But yeah. I still think it, it, it conveyed what it was kind of trying to do pretty well. And I appreciated how, like unflinching it was about how yeah. shit the British were. Yeah. Um, and, like, just the deliberate um, violence they enacted upon yeah. the country and the peoples thereof. Yeah. And the the trauma that going through, yeah. that, that existed in that turmoil. And 
I said to you at the time while we were watching it, it was like, I'm really enjoying this. Can you imagine if if this was actually about the Americans? I, They'd yeah. be calling this critical race theory and demanding yeah. it be off the air by now. Like, this, it, <laughs> it's good. But, like, yeah, we only got this narrative because it's about Britain and not America. We will oh, never yeah. get one of these about uh, uh, the, the horrors enacted on Native Americans. But we, yeah. can, we can get the horrors the British did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll probably argue that the horrors enacted about against the Native Americans are the things the British did as well. I mean, I mean, Americans, you are basically British. As much as um, you may not I'm, like I'm it, Dutch, you... French and Irish and Spanish, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But you, yeah, you, you, you know what I'm talking about here. You know what I'm getting you know at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm glad. I, I'm still really enjoying the visuals in that show. Oh. The, um, Whatever the outro music was this week, I really enjoyed. Um, the entire audiovisual presentation's been top yes, notch. Yeah, like the all of the art in this show is amazing. Yeah, I, very well paced. Like there hasn't yeah. been a episode that felt like it was dragging its heels or um, too rushed yet. It's a really nice family story, and mm. and also superhero and yeah, spectacular. And I am, um, I. I I want more of this, I and and I hope that we we get more of this type of story. I hope we get another season of Marvel. I really hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I'm very excited by where this is going, and I hope that that this is popular enough that they will go. Hey, these stories are worth telling. Exactly. And and we will keep telling them. We will tell more of them. And yeah, more of that. While we're on Marvel, should we continue with Marvel? Oh, yeah. 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 We watched Thor, Love and Thunder. We watched Thor, Love and Thunder. Yeah. Uh, I very much enjoyed it overall. For the most part, very much enjoyed it. Yeah. We're going to talk about The Thing. I mean... We should probably talk about I, I have thing. heard some other perspectives on The Thing that I think are interesting, but, okay. like, yeah. So, should we talk about the film generally first? Okay. So, so uh, is back. Yeah. Jane is sick. Yeah. Jane has stage four cancer. It, it's it's quite heavy. It's it, very it, heavy. It lingers on, on this as a person with cancer quite a lot. It literally opens with she's in chemo. Yeah. Explaining wormhole theory to somebody. Yeah. Uh, and she goes, oh, hey, I, chemo's not working, but I did read that Mjolnir might, might make me magically healthy, so I'll go try and find the fragments of that over in Asgard. Yep. I, I'm Thor now. Also, hello, other Thor. Hello, other Thor. Um, I think the the general, like, the best way I can describe this film's, like, energy is, like, it's a superhero film, but it's basically a rom-com about trying to learn to be friends with your ex again. Yeah. And getting over the awkwardness of, we were a thing and we're not anymore, how do we exist? And we didn't officially broke up yeah. in any kind of way. We, we've we not... drifted apart. Yeah. And then, like, just stop talking. Yeah, it is. It is a. It is. A, it is a comedy. It's a. It's a rom com about like, hey, how do I not be awkward with someone who our relationship just kind of fell apart and we didn't really talk it through afterwards? Mm-hmm. Um, with something in place to be a bit of a, we are forced to be in the same place as each other with a shared goal, to move the plot along. Um, I generally thought it was really funny. I laughed a lot more than I expected to. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a comedy. Yeah, it's more dark and intense and 
scary in places than I expected. Yeah. Like, it, it's not quite on the level of um, Doctor Strange 2 that we saw, in terms of, like, leaning into being horror-y, but, like, yeah. it's it's pretty dark and tense in some places. Yeah, pretty um, Visually, especially, um, some of the later stuff is, you know, very, like, gothic and yeah. sinister. Uh, the antagonist is probably one of the most memorable, well-reasoned antagonists we've had in a Marvel thing in a long time. Ah, oh, yes. White Kratos is fascinating. <laughs> I mean, they very, very instantly set up, like, I understand exactly why you want to do what you're doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we were able to have a conversation about it. They, they, they conveyed all of that motivation in the space of that opening five minutes. Yeah. Beautifully. Like, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's a spoiler to talk about that, that opening scene. Um, maybe it is. I'll, I'll let's, say this. Let's let people watch it. It's, yeah. Give, give them another okay. link at least. I'll, I'll say, I certainly at points in my life have experienced not far off what that antagonist did. And if I'd been offered the uh, opportunity that arose, I'd have probably gone, fuck it. Yeah, let's go do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the same upbringing you do and the same relation to that sort of thing that you do, but there are certainly times where I have attempted to resort to that sort of thing and not had any positive outcome and thought, well, fuck you then. Exactly. Like, I'd, I'd put it... Yeah, this is this is definitely one of the most sympathetic, like, I understand entirely why you want to do this, villains... Mm that there's been. Oh, yeah. So should we talk about The Thing? That was talk a bit about The Thing. I mean, we, we don't even have to talk about it very specifically. No. There is a character in this who very early on says to Thor, this is my name. Yes. It is not the name that you previously knew. This is my name now. I go by this. Yes. And Thor does the, the face from the meme and goes, it's not, though, is it? Yeah. And it, it, this isn't a particularly lengthy interaction, but it it is played for laughs. It's played for laughs as so a funny. I'm not gonna respect the name you're telling me to call you. Uh very specifically saying it's the name your parents gave you. Um I'm I'm not going to respect that you're asking me to call you something else. And someone has to step in and go, Thor, cut out the bullshit, call him the name he wants to be called. And we, as trans people, sat yes. in the theatre going, Yeah. Well, fuck you! It, it felt like, as a viewer, going, Hey, this really feels reminiscent of when people have not respected my name post-transition and have insisted on deadnaming me. I don't think that's what you're trying to do here, but it's making me uncomfortable yeah. that you're playing this as a joke. Yes. Um, now, the counterpoint narrative I've seen suggested for this, and I'm like, okay, that's interesting. I, I would like to see Taika Waititi weigh, weigh in on this. But, I would love to see um, Taika Waititi weigh the, in on this. The, the suggestion has been that um, what it was trying to make a joke about was specifically um, um, people who try and change their name when they move away from where they grew up um, in terms of countries. Okay. And like this being... like not wanting their Asgardian name because it's too Asgardian. It makes them stand out amongst their new Earth friends. Mm -hmm. Like, the way that... Um, 
The only example I can think of it, off the top of It reminds of me very much you used to see a lot in the 80s yeah. of, oh, oh, this is Roger. Yeah. Um, um, but didn't didn't your pa- parents call you Rajesh? Yes. No, um, no, I, I'm Roger. Um, <laughs> I, I know off the top of my head, off the comedy button, Max Scoville, um, his name uh, was Julian. And it was because he's got a French mother and he oh, yeah. changed his name to Max because he didn't want to stand out as as obviously French sounding name. And I've seen people suggest that that is what Taika Waititi is specifically doing here because like he is someone who has he's alluded to having had some experience of that growing up with feeling uncomfortable about his name. And I'm like, OK, maybe this was coming from a different place. Doesn't change the fact that without context, it felt uncomfortable to see yes. it as a joke. And I was sat the rest of the film going, "If, if, if, if I think this was yeah. this was your equivalent of uh, uh, us watching everything everywhere all at once." Yes, and my reaction to the the um, yeah the anti-Jewish slur at the beginning. Yes, it's it's the a thing is just in the back of my head for the rest of the film now. And it certainly didn't ruin the film for me. And like, I'm not saying necessarily Taika Waititi did anything wrong, but also, if you're trans and have negative experience around your name change not being respected, it might be an uncomfortable scene to be prepared for. Yes. Um, intentionally or not, probably not. Taika Waititi seems like a he I'm seems not, like I'm the kind of make who... excuses for him until he actually speaks up. Exactly. I'm sure someone's mentioned it. Indeed, and that's the thing. I want to know if there is an official response to this in any way, but also, yeah. like, it, it is what it is. Um, yes. It was a distraction in an otherwise, I thought, very enjoyable film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll probably maybe come back to that. Some, we probably will, we'll probably completely forget. <laughs> maybe in a couple of years we'll watch it again and we'll talk about the thing, some other things about the film analysis wise but it is too soon to release date for us to talk about it on this show yeah um but yeah that's uh, have you watched anything else uh yeah i watched one other thing um i yeah yeah, i finished watching through the first season of the orville how is the orville um so like i i talked about this this uh this show last week because you know I watched a few episodes and generally had a very positive experience of it, but was like, with the caveat, I've only seen like three episodes. I don't fucking know how it goes. I was really impressed. Yeah. Season one of The Orville is really impressive. It is generally, uh, like, it, it, the, the longer it goes on, the longer it, like, steers away from being a comedy and is just a, 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 start, a new Star Trek with its own lore and its own world building. Oh. That, like, the first couple of episodes definitely have more comedy going on, and clearly, like, that's trying to get the foot in the door of people who come in expecting a comedy. But People like, who've come for Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, and even then, like, it's not the the lowbrow, cheap shot stuff that he usually does, but, like, oh. by the time you get toward the end of it, like, getting through that first season, it is just a good Star Trek. Um, okay. Their final episode of the season um i won't get into like too much specifics yeah but it is an episode about like really digging into the consequences of um breaking their equivalent of the prime directive um with a planet that um every uh it keeps vanishing and reappearing 
Right. And for the people in our st- in the Orville, it's been eleven days, but on the planet, it's been seven hundred years. Oh wow! Um, and they accidentally break the Prime Directive and keep seeing seven hundred year incremental jumps in the cascading effects that them breaking the Prime Directive caused. Um, specifically, a religion gets started because of the intervention that they accidentally did on the first visit. Okay, and. Delving into, you've been ordered not to do anything about this, and having to watch like thousands of years of civilization develop, skewed off course by this cor- uh, this uh, breach of the Prime Directive. Hmm. It delves a lot into like real world, um, um, the real world consequences of organized religion, and what would it be like for you as a human being to look at, say, the wars that have been fought over religion and go, I am I am at fault for causing this to happen. Mm. And how do you deal with that as a person? And how do you avoid fucking things up more in that kind of situation? It was just a really good Star Trek episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. The more of this I watch, the more of it I'm going, you know what, Seth MacFarlane? There's a lot of things I will be very fucking critical of with you, and I will not give you any money, but, uh, you've made a genuinely good Star Trek here. And I, like, any day of the week would take this over season one of, uh, Lower Decks. Like, it's no, <laughs> it's no fucking competition. This is leagues better. Okay. Um, I genuinely think it's worth a watch. Um, I've not watched beyond season one, other than one season three episode, but, mm-hmm. yeah. I am pleasantly surprised. I did not expect to come back this positive, and I'm I I want to I want to see more of the Orville. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, is that everything you've watched? Uh, I think so. <gasps> well then, time for this. Marinara, I've got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? Well. Do you need help applying for a job you only have 90% of the requested qualifications for? I mean, yeah, I'm terrified to do that. They they wouldn't put them as as required if I didn't need all of them, so maybe I just shouldn't apply because I'm missing that one. Do you want to ask somebody out but worried they're out of your league? Oh, self-confidence is a huge thing. Everyone is too good for me. Ah! Do you have a novel idea for a podcast? I I mean, yeah, but how do I know anyone will listen to it? There's already so many podcasts out there, you know. Is it even worth trying? Indeed, you can try. You can try Borrowing the Audacity. Tell me more. With borrowtheaudacity.lol.net, you can friend a cishet white man to loan you some of his entitlement, audacity, and or confidence to help you build you up, and then you're ready for the scary thing. Oh, oh, wow, oh, wow, I feel more ready to launch yet another podcast the world doesn't need already. That's borrowtheaudacity.lol.net, enter the code QNPS220, and you will have the confidence of a cishat white man who has never once faced even the tiniest barrier to success. (laughs) Yeah, I could make a podcast where I just read out people's Reddit threads. That's a great idea. Thank you, Sissette White Man. Catching. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh, we, uh, we, we get, we got it, we got it, we got, we got stuff to deal with again. It just again. keeps happening. 
I better be getting a bonus for this. I know, right? Us having to actually think about stuff. That's not what I got an executive level position the for. Things, the things I think about are golf this morning and golf money. this afternoon. Well, there's money in the middle. There's always money. So Money before breakfast. Exactly. So we got... we Okay, here's the problem. Right. You know, yeah, we, we got asked to go do another one of those talks at one of those uh, game dev conferences. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, neither of us felt like doing it this time because that's work and I don't want to work. Yeah, I mean, so we delegate. Yeah, right? we, we delegated that guy from the dev team and yeah. said, hey, you go give a talk at, uh, at this uh, conference and make it about how we're great and we make all the money and we're great. Yeah. And, um... He may have two minutes in uh, turned it into a talk about how NFTs are bad and we should stop doing them. Right. In so front of a bunch uh, of people. We, 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 we fired him, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But we got to damage control this. So, like, what, yeah. do we, what do we do? What do we do? Because someone who works for us said that we're doing a bad thing. Well, uh, scrub the internet, obviously. Obviously. But, you know, uh, deny you know, everything. Upload. Uh, I, I got a plan. Right. He he kept saying NFTs and he never like fully said non fungible tokens. So maybe right, right. maybe we just say that like NFT means something different. He was saying like uh, not um, fucking taking all of the money is bad. Uh, not not uh, not funding them the executives is a bad thing. You know we we say that NFT stood for something right yeah something yeah, yeah, yeah. something else that wasn't the NFT yeah he un he misunderstood yeah. what was meant by NFT yeah we've been doing NFTs um new fun thing things that's what yeah. we put in our video games we're, yeah we're just putting things. new fun things in our video games that's why people play our video games yeah because of all the new fun it's not our fault that he uh, thought we were uh, putting putting crypto in the game. He just misunderstood that we were putting new features in. New fun things. You are a fucking genius. I know. So, oh, what have you put in your ears? Uh, I put a couple of bits of music in my ears this week. Mm -hmm. um, I listened to a track called Disco in the Panic Room with an exclamation <laughs> mark at the end so it's clearly a Panic at the yeah. Disco reference uh, by the band Big Hunter. Oh, sorry, Bug Hunter, I think that was. Um, it's some, like, chaotic folk rock about trying to perform your way through anxiety. That sort of, like, putting on that big confident face and being like, if I just project that I'm confident, the anxiety won't have time to stop me. I will fake it until um, I make it. Exactly. Leaping head first and not stopping to have time to listen to the anxiety. Mm -hmm. You can deal with that afterwards. Go faster than the anxiety can catch you. Okay. Uh, really neat little song. Um, the other one I listened to was called Neurodivergent by Rabbit Junk, which is a sort of uh, glitchy, electronic-filled dance track with screamy rock vocals uh, about being forced to fit into a neat box by neurotypical society and rebelling against that sort of limiting range of what is acceptable. Yeah. It's a good track. Very... Auditory, auditorily satisfying. Nice. Uh, what about you? You listening to anything this week? Uh, listening this week. Let's see. Uh, not a huge amount. I listened to the Hero of Synth. I, I'm guessing that's Zelda related. That is indeed Zelda but related. But Synth. That is. 
Uh, it is by uh, Chillboy Beats. You can find them on YouTube. It is a half-hour album of what if, what if, what if, what if, Ocarina of Time stuff in uh, synthwave style. Yeah. Uh, so you've got the uh, title theme from Ocarina, Lost Woods, Gerudo Valley, Forest Temple, Song of Storms, Astral Observatory, Song of Healing, Oath to Order, Hyrule Castle, and Dark World. Mm. It's real good. Uh, I think they did a really good job. I en- I enjoyed that version. Some of this, I feel like, would be really good running music. Ooh. Like, nice pace for, like, yeah. just running music. But, um, yeah, really, really enjoyed that. Um, and it is available on all of the streaming platforms, I believe. So Yay. Give that a look. Nice. Uh, what about you? Oh, that's everything I've listened to this week, I think. Oh, that's a short one. Yeah, it's a short one. Well, then. <gasps> time for this. Oh, oh, God. How? It's so hot. It's so hot. How are you getting on with? How are you handling the heat? You getting on alright? I mean, well, I mean, it's it's hot, but I haven't spontaneously combusted for walking out of the house just yet. Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I I could complain, but I'm not a literal puddle on the floor yet, so you know. Yeah, I mean, I could complain, but I haven't found that my shoes are literally melting to the pavement as I walk along. It. Oh, uh, you're right. You're right. Like I. I should count myself lucky that the house is still, like, not on fire yet. I haven't had to call the fire brigade out. Not today. No. So, you know, guess managing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hear tomorrow's going to feel like you're walking on the surface of the sun, but for now I'm all right. Sting didn't give us instruction for uh, walking on the sun, did he? Not, not that I know of. How do you like the sound of this game? It's got charming graphics... A fun-looking gameplay loop, <gasps> a leveling system, ah. unlocks, mm. additional unlocks for a small fee, uh. ad removal for a small fee, uh. additional playtime for a small fee, uh. bonus packages for a fee, uh. maybe fun for an additional fee, uh. dopamine for a large fee, uh. the safe return of your family. Uh-huh. What, what? Well, that's going to cost you. Wait, what, 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 what? Raid Crashers Saga is free to play on Android and iOS. Download now, if you know what's good for you. Oh god, Sarah, where are the kids? <laughs> do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Virtual Justice Warriors. Virtual Justice Warriors? Yeah. Alright, Larry. Alright, Larry. How are you doing? Um, a bit warm, mate. A bit warm, a bit hot. Oh, I, I, I think that is an understatement. It's bloody, bloody I am a toasty boy. I am a melty lad. Yeah. I, I, I could do with just a cold bath. It'd be lovely. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, not too cold, mate. Well, well, I just, shop one, oh, I, I know, I know. I, I mean, like, like, what's the equivalent of lukewarm but for cold? Luke cold? Tepid. Tepid. I prefer Luke cold. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, you're so cold these days. So yeah. you, uh, you've been up too much, mate. Oh, you know, I've been watching the uh, the old circus around Boris, uh, Boris Johnson, finally. Uh, I, I was going to say being kicked out. I was going to say quitting. Saying he's going to quit. Almost quitting as Prime Minister over Quit adjacent. Here. Quitting adjacent. Uh, I saw a lot of cheering and a lot of celebration at the time uh, that, that his uh, resignation went in. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I did spend the first... Uh, first day or so doing the whole uh, 
oh, hooray, he's gone, enjoying the memes, having a cheer, but, yeah. you know... Uh, uh, I, I saw a lot of people that seem to think that this was more of an end to the battle against right-wing politics than it actually is, you know? Oh, yeah, I mean, Mug's still in. I mean, most... Sunak's talking about becoming, you know, the next Prime yeah, Minister. I mean, I mean, most of the Tory party's still there, and we've got, you know, some of the names that are being floated as possible replacements include, like, Liz, Liz Trust. Trust is concerning, uh, yeah. No, a notable, vill- like, anti-trans villain, you know, uh... And it's one of those things where, like, yeah, it is satisfying to see the uh, the face of the person who was the face of all the bad things the Tory party's done here in the UK eventually going out the door, assuming he does eventually fucking leave. But uh, his party's still in, in power and are yeah. largely going to probably do largely the same things. Oh, yeah. And whoever replaces him is probably going to continue doing the same things because it's another member of the right-wing Tory party. Yep. This doesn't inherently automatically fix things. No, no, absolutely. I mean, and especially at the moment where we don't even have any proper opposition. Yeah. And I say this not to be, like, defeatist and to not, like, you know, deny people the the little victory this is, but because I worry that... uh, People will see this as a victory and go, we got Boris out, and will stop feeling the uh, the same urge or the same importance to fight and push the right wing, you know, talking points out. Yeah, that people absolutely. will become complacent. I, I, I can understand seeing this as a, a you know a, a full stop at the end of a sentence, and people wanting to just go, I need a fucking minute. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think that I can is, understand that. I think that is fair, but I think it's also fair to go. You're. I think some people are treating this as the end of the story. Oh, yeah. it's like it's not even the end of the. It's not the end of the chapter. It's not no. the end of the paragraph. It is the end of a sentence in a paragraph in a chapter in the story. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, you know, take your minute, enjoy, enjoy it while it's here, but have a breather. Be ready yeah, to fight again. Be ready for the fact that this fight hasn't stopped, and we are going to have to keep fighting it, and that you know. There's more to come. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, hug, mate. Yeah, short one. It's, it's a bit... Oh, oh yeah. A bit, a bit, bit, bit melty for that, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean, mate. It's uh, yeah, a little stuck to you there. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. No, no one's worried. Yeah, I think I might go and have a quick shower now. I might do the same. The hose off the... Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, you, have a good one, mate. Yeah, you too. So, Laura. Yes. We've seen art. We have. We've seen new art. It's out there in the world now. There's new cover art for there Who Wants the Whale. For who Wants the Whale? It's out there in the public on your Twitter. It is. My on Twitter. my Twitter. Our on Twitter. Twitter as of Wednesday. Yeah. What, we, t- tell people about the new cover art. It's new cover art. Uh, E-Boy Arts uh, were brought on board by Unbound uh, to do the final version so we took the 8 and 16-bit styly that was in the original Consistent- and consistentified it. Uh, cha- tweaked some of the characters a little bit to be now that we have written the book and know exactly who everyone's going to be. Yeah, we've, we've made the characters look a bit more like we would expect them to look like. Yeah. Uh, we, well, we didn't make many changes, actually. No, we just polished up the thing that was there and it looks lovely. Yeah, it looks really good, much more consistent, and I'm very happy with it, and I'm excited for... For, for that book to happen. Yeah. Because it's getting so much closer now. It feels so much closer. 
according to the Unbound page, I think they're saying like February next year. Oh, are they saying that on the page that's now? What right? That's what I saw. Well, that that wouldn't surprise me if that was what we were aiming for. Well, I guess we'll see. Well, I mean, <laughs> as far as we're concerned, we have uh, uh, an edit of, of yeses and nos on full stops yep. and commas and... I think and, that's about and it. And then they got to wedge it in a book and print it. That's, yeah, it's, it's so close. And yeah. then we've got to sign it. Then we got we got to sign and write handwritten letters. Yeah. If people would like a copy of the book, maybe that is signed or a handwritten letter or some such thing. There will be a link in the description. Yeah, uh, yeah you can get that. I will make sure that there is a link in the description. We have up-to-date links for that. So you can check it out. You can get the, all the different versions. Maybe you want one. Maybe you want one with a cup. Maybe you want one with a shirt. Who knows? It's up to you. Get many. Get get several. Get a book bundle with several of Laura's other books. Yeah. And I think I think that's everything except you've got another book that's coming out in like a month, four weeks. Yeah, it's imminent. Imminent. It's me and my dysphoria monster is a children's picture book. It's coming out in like four weeks. It's go beautiful. check it out. I love it. It's happening real soon. I'm excited and terrified. Go check it out. I'm at Laura K. Buzz for everything else. What about you? Well, it turns out that Streamerlinks.com vanished at some point. Oh no! And, and and nobody told me and I didn't know. So, I don't know how long I've been sending people to Streamerlinks.com slash Janiac, but it ain't there anymore. Uh, they, they took away your unified branding. Right, so now I have a link tree, or should I say a linkter.ee, uh, so it's linkter.ee slash janiac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C. You can find my links to uh, my Redbubble, where you can get t-shirts such as the one I'm wearing right now that says, you must be at least this tall to ride the looming mistress. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have Queer and Pleasant Strangers shirts. We have uh, a Frighteningly Gay shirt. It's got a cute little rabbit on it. Uh, you've got that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can get all of these things and more, possibly. Uh, over at linktr.ee uh, slash J-A-N-E-A-C you can help me justify my entire existence that includes a 76 hour work week over at patreon.com slash stoned monkey radio Laura <gasps> let me sing us out please darling until next time be a stranger <laughs>